0: We're heading into some scary territory for the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter. It's scary because we're going to explore together the ancient Christian doctrine of the Trinity. I did my little coffee experiment eight times this past week where I stand in line at a coffee shop, I'll turn to the guy behind me and I'll say, I'll buy your coffee if you answer a question. The question this week is, what was, or what is the Trinity? Here are the eight answers that I got in Whatcom County to the question, what is the Trinity? A car made by Mitsubishi. I have no idea. Part three of the Blade series starring Wesley Snipes. Isn't that the name of a band? I think it has something to do with God. The name of a park in Seattle. One blank stare with no words attached to it at all. And the final answer was the ancient human understanding of the relational aspects of God in light of God eternally existing as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The last guy turned out to be a Regent Seminary student. And it was awesome to be able to buy his coffee, okay? This is a scary journey because we're going to try and wrap our brains around an ancient aspect of scripture that is a profound mystery. It's intimidating for me as a pastor to preach this because Augustine, one of the church fathers said, to deny the Trinity is to lose your soul, to try and explain it is to lose your mind, all right? So if you find me huddled in a corner somewhere, twitching and drooling on myself, just tuck me in and call my wife, okay? So I went to Sunday school as a small kid. And in Sunday school, Franklin McDowell, this wonderful saint, taught the middle school boys all about doctrine and theology. And he came to us one day and said, I'm going to try and explain the Trinity to you. I'm going to try and enlighten you. And he came with visual aids that day. I brought the same visual aids so that you'd be able to see them and kind of hopefully walk along with us. He started off with a metaphor that I'm sure some of you have seen before. And he said, God is one in three. I feel like Bill Nye the science guy right now, okay? God is like an egg. One in three, and yet three in one. So the egg has three parts. There's the yolk, there's the white, there's the shell. And yet ultimately, no matter how you separate them, there's still egg. And I went, That's weird. Because anytime you put God in a breakfast entree together in the same sentence, it's just not really understandable. So he we said, well, guys, if you don't understand that, then try this. He goes, God is kind of like water. He's in three different forms, but ultimately there's still water. I mean, he can be a liquid, he can be a, a solid, or he can be the gaziest form of water. That's my new word for the week, Gaseous. I like that one, okay? And yet still, no matter how you put them apart, they're still just water. And it's cool until you start thinking about your shower in the morning or cooling your drink and you put God in that context and it just doesn't seem to sit well together. The reason it doesn't sit well is because None of the metaphors that we come up with to try and explain God do a really, really good job. I went to Bible college next and and I met Dr. Orville Swenson, who, who welcomed the pastoral majors together and said, gentlemen, God is one in three and yet three in one. I'm like, what? How does that work together? He gave us another metaphor, which I think helps a little bit, but it still doesn't unpack it completely. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. On Friday night, I went on a date with my wife. And Laurel and I were out together. And in that moment, I was, I was, I was in the role of Grant the husband. But, but I had just left a time where I'd been with my kids most of the day. And so I've got, I've got Brayden and I've got McKenna. And in that moment, when I'm with those guys, I'm, with Grant, I'm Grant the dad in those moments. Right now, I've got got another role that I'm working inside of, and that's grant the pastor. And I'm sitting in front of all of these people trying to explain something that's unexplainable. And yet, ultimately, even though you see grant the husband, grant the father, and grant the pastor, no matter how you boil it down, it's, it's just me, right? It's just grant. I say all of this to say this point. All of our human explanations of God fall apart at some point. Trying to explain the unexplainable is a pretty huge task. I'm going to tell you this. If you can explain your God, there's not much of a God. There are some profound mysteries that we're going to try and wrap ourselves around. And some of you are wondering, how can explaining the unexplainable possibly change my life? That's a great question. Just hang on for a little bit. Let's talk about the Trinity for a little bit. The word Trinity doesn't appear anywhere in your Bible. You can do a word search and you're not going to find it anywhere there. The word Trinity is a man-made word to try and explain how God has expressed himself in Scripture. And at Christ the King Community Church, this is what we believe about the Trinity, all right? I put the little doctrinal statement in your outline. We believe that there is one God. How many gods do we believe in? One We believe in one God, we are monotheists, without apology at Christ the King. And we get that from Deuteronomy 6:4. It's known as the Shema, if you're a Jewish fan, and it says this: "Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Not two, not five, not seven. The Lord our God is one." So we believe there's one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect. I love that and eternally existing as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's just review so we get it again. How many gods do we believe in in Christ the King? One God who eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. And all throughout scripture, we see God taught this way. So I'm gonna run you through a whole bunch of examples where you can actually see the Trinity in scripture so you know that that I'm actually not lying to you, okay? Let's see the Trinity at creation. It's the first blank in your outline. Scripture says in Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In those verses, you see the first two persons of the Godhead. God And God, the Spirit. Now, here's an interesting note. The name God there is Elohim, and it's actually a plural. Doesn't mean there's two gods. It means there's one God existing as two persons in this particular case. Later on in creation, God gets to create man, and these words are spoken. Here's God talking. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Does God say I'm going to make man in my image? No, he doesn't. God says, let us make man in our image, meaning more than one. Now you look at that and you still say, okay, so I've got God the Father and I've got God the Spirit of creation. Two out of three, Grant, where's Jesus? I'm so glad you asked. John chapter one, verses one and two, scripture says this, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word here, that little word, word, means Jesus. So you can read this verse very accurately and say, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Are you feeling it? I know some of you are going, this theology stuff, right? There's four theologians in the room. You're feeling my love, aren't you at this point? Okay, so we've got the Trinity of creation. Let's go on. Here's the Trinity at the incarnation. An angel comes and talks to Mary. This all revolves around the whole Christmas thing, right? Scripture says this, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. All three of them at the same time there. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High, that's God the Father, will overshadow you and the one that will be born of you, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, the Son of God and God the Son. He was there at the incarnation. Let's take a look at the Trinity at the baptism of Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So you've got Jesus actually being baptized in the water, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and a voice from heaven, God, the father's voice saying, this is my son. And he's here to do what I've called him to do. And I'm proud of him. Let's take a look at another one. Here's the Trinity at the Great Commission. Matthew 28, the Bible says, "'Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, "'baptizing them in the name of the Father, "'the Son, and the Holy Spirit, "'and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, "'and surely I am with you always, "'to the very end of the age.'" I got asked an interesting question the last time we had a baptismal service. Somebody said, "'What are you guys talking about in the tank?' "'Cause you'll notice we have this little conversation "'that we talk about back and forth. We're saying to them, we will not drown you. No, am just kidding, okay. What <laughs> We're saying, come on, 10 o'clock. I know it's an hour early, but yeah, all right. What we're saying is this, upon your profession of faith, because you've gone public, we now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? Because Jesus said that's what we were supposed to do. That's why. Well, what else did Jesus say? Well, here's the Trinity according to Jesus in John chapter 15. He says, when the counselor comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. One God, creator of all, completely perfect that exists as God the Father, God the Son, And God the Holy Spirit. Because we absolutely need to understand this, I put these three little statements in your outlines with other supporting scriptures so you can go back and find out whether or not I'm lying to you or not, all right? So I'm gonna say them because they're true. God the Father is God, according to Romans 1. God the Son is God, according to John 1. And Acts 5 says God the Holy Spirit is God as well. So we hear all of that. And the question that begs to be asked. So what? What's the big deal? Who cares? Why does this matter to me? If it's something I can't completely understand and it's a profound mystery, how one can be three and three can be one, why in the world should I waste any mental energy or my heart investment in trying to figure this out? Well... Let's just talk about one of the persons in the Trinity. Let's start with God the Father for a few moments. I have a deep conviction. I put it in your outline today. I'm going to talk about the conviction, but I'm also going to say this. You can't possibly unpack all of the roles of God the Father in one message in 28 minutes. You just can't. So instead of just dancing on the edges of a whole bunch of them, I'm just going to pick the one that I believe is the most important and it will touch as many hearts in this room as is possible. Here's my conviction. It's this. The doctrine of the Trinity changes our lives because we get to witness God the Father's role as initiator. As initiator. I was reading a psychological journal this past week that talked about all of the studies that were done in the 70s, the 80s, and the early 90s about what happens to people who grow up without a father. It was laying out all of the incredibly deep emotional wounds that people carry around with them because of things that their father did that they shouldn't have been doing or didn't do that they should have been doing. Just so we're clear, I'm not a person that believes you can blame all of your dysfunction on your parents, In fact, I think sometimes we use our parents as very convenient scapegoats to deal with issues that we maybe should have taken on and tackled ourselves. I want to remind all of us as we talk about Father today that Scripture commands us to honor our mother and our father whether they were honorable or not. That command is about us and our heart condition, not about what our parents did or didn't do. But this journal made a very interesting observation The researchers researchers said that, that people who did not have a father present in their life had deep, unbelievably painful wounds, but that they had just recently discovered that there was another group of people that had even deeper emotional wounds, who were more wounded, had experienced more pain. And they were people who had a father present in their life. But here was the problem. Even though their father was present... He never initiated anything in their life. They said these people actually had deeper wounds than those who had no father at all. Those that had a father that was present but didn't initiate anything. They they never initiated anything. a a hug or a cuddle, even though they were in their room with the the children. They they were never one to initiate a conversation with one of their kids. They, They never made the statement, I love you, unless, of course, someone said, I love you, to them. They would never initiate an act of serving or helping. They would never initiate an act of protection. When I read that, I mean, the lights just came on in my brain. I know that many people here in this room struggle with the fact that God reveals himself as a father because if you were honest, you would say that your father hit you or pushed you or screamed at you or even worse, he was there, but he did absolutely nothing. And I want to encourage everyone here today with a truth that you will find in Scripture that's represented within the Trinity. And it goes like this. God, your father, regardless of what happened with your earthly dad, God, your heavenly father, is an initiator. He has initiated everything that you need in order to have one of those solid relationships that every person dreams of. You know, in June of 1999, I found myself suddenly unemployed, with no options at all. I didn't have a job all of a sudden. For the first time in my adult life, I I, I didn't have the name pastor attached to my name. And that sent me just into an emotional and a spiritual tailspin because I'd never encountered that before. I didn't have a job. A friend of mine, and I thank God for him, he sits right up here on Saturday nights, he actually came to me and gave me a job working construction, which was just unbelievably crazy because I am the least mechanically inclined person on the face of God's green earth. It was dangerous to give me a power tool. But he put me to work and, and I had to try and figure out how am I going to feed a family of four making eight bucks an hour? How, how, how am I going to provide medical insurance for my wife who has a debilitating eye disease at eight bucks an hour? And I was struggling and thinking about things like, am I going to be standing in a food bank line? Am I going to be doing the things that a lot of people have to do just to make ends meet? I was scared. I was angry. I was frustrated. I mean, I'd been a pastor for a long time, but let's face it. Not many employers out there in the real world give a rip whether or not you can parse a Greek verb or not. I mean, I, I don't know a lot of employers that actually see that as a marketable skill, right? Right? Not a lot of employers are looking for somebody who can stand up and and preach for 27 minutes. I mean, I think most employers are just kind of hoping that their employees will stop talking and do their job, right? I had no options, nowhere to go, nothing to do. I was lost, alone, angry and hurt. I desperately needed help. I was still in love with Jesus at the time. I just couldn't stand his girlfriend. I'd had a bad experience with people that called themselves Christians and I was angry. I loved to worship God. I just didn't want anything to do with anybody that was even remotely close to this thing called church. I needed help. I had an earthly father, and he was doing everything he could. Ernie called me every day from Brandon, Manitoba. Are you doing okay, son? How how are the kids? How, How how's Laurel doing? you guys okay, do you need anything? He was doing everything he could, but the truth was I needed more. I needed a heavenly father to love me, to overlook my insecurities, to speak to my fear. I needed a heavenly father who would give me more than just just bumper sticker answers. I I needed God to move towards me because I didn't have the strength to take a step on my own. I needed God to initiate a healing deep down in my soul. And that's what God the Father did because that's what God the Father does best. He initiates. Let me just give some examples of of how you may not even know how God the Father has initiated. I want you to know God the Father initiated creation. When you walk out of the church this morning, I want you to look around. I want you to understand something. God initiated all of that for you. That is all for you. It's all to take your eyes and to lift them off of your problems so that you can see that God, your heavenly father has initiated all of that for your benefit so that you can worship and praise him as the God who has created everything. I know this is news to some of you, but there's this really cool thing that happens in Whatcom County. It happened every day this past week. It's called a sunrise. I know some of you sleep through it every single day. Take my word for it. It actually happens in the morning. Okay. Pray for the 1130 service. I'm going to say it. It's even more foreign to them. All right. than to you guys. But this past week, every single one of those sunrises was painted in the heavens by God the Father who wanted to initiate a message that said that I did all of this for you. A wave doesn't hit the shore of Whatcom County without God the Father initiating it way out in the ocean. Wind doesn't move the trees unless God the Father initiates that wind. And every single one of those little markers is to tap you on the shoulder and remind you that you have a loving heavenly Father in heaven who has created all of that for your enjoyment and for your pleasure. All of that has been created completely for you. We just read about it in Genesis 1. He started it, he got the ball rolling, and now he maintains it. Nothing happens unless God the Father says so. Last night I went home praying against all the little kids because there was a forecast of snow. I'm like, God, we need to have church this week. It's already daylight savings time and that's going to kill us anyway. God, we need no snow in Watcom County. For the record, for once, I beat the kids of Watcom County when it comes to praying for no snow. But I'm going to tell you something. If God wanted snow in Watcom County, there would have been snow in Watcom County because he initiates all of He initiated creation. Secondly, God the Father initiated relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know that you're loved, protected, and cherished. He wants you to know today when you walk out of here that you're not some kind of a cosmic mistake. He wants to be in relationship with you so badly. He wants to be in relationship with you so badly. This is what he did according to 1 John chapter 4. Listen to this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you see what that verse says? Not that we loved him. That's not the big deal. The big deal is that he initiated love towards us and cared about us so much that we'd be willing to send his son to initiate that relationship with each one of us. My friends, if you don't get anything else this morning, walk out of here knowing this truth completely, that the God of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he loves you. Not only initiated relationship, here's the next one. God the Father initiated salvation. You know, we read these verses in John chapter 3 because they're so unbelievably famous that I think as believers and mature Christians, we don't even realize what they mean anymore. So I'm going to read the first couple of words and then I'm going to stop and make it personal, okay? For God so loved, Grant Fishbug. Let's just stop for a second. For God so loved Forey Hogan. For God so loved Bob Seitzman. For God so loved Fran. Wow. For God so loved Zach the sound guy in the sound booth. For God so loved Ron and Kathy Boone. I mean, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. My friends, those verses are the most personal verses in all of Scripture. God the Father was so consumed with you With you knowing that you were loved, that he gave the best he had so that you could avoid eternal condemnation. He sent his son as a sacrifice for your sin. That means he's been calling you. He's been drawing you. He's been following you. For some of you, he's been chasing you for years. Beckoning. Saying, don't run. Turn to me. He's used the prayers of people to call you and draw you. He's used your life to draw you and call you. He used my grandmother to draw me and call me. I'm going to tell you something. Take it from someone who knows. If there's a grandma praying that you'll get right with Jesus today, just give up. (laughs) Go with the plan. You can't win anyway. How do I know he's been calling Because John chapter 6 says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. Here's the last one. God the Father initiated forgiveness and restoration. In Luke chapter 15, you'll find a beautiful story called the prodigal son. It's actually been preached here a lot over the last year and a half. So I'm not going to preach it again. Let me give you the Reader's Digest version. A young punk kid goes to his dad and says, I want my inheritance and I want it now. Then he takes it and he squanders it in a land far away. He ends up blowing his life until one day, because he's slopping pigs for a living, he comes to his senses and decides to go home. Those of you who know the story, you know what the dad in the story has been doing ever since his son left. He's just been hanging out in the tent, swinging back and forth in a hammock, drinking goat milk, right? Wrong. He's been watching for him, hoping, yearning, praying, believing that his son someday would come to his senses And just come home. If you know the story, what happens when the father, who goes out to the edge every day and paces back and forth watching the horizon, what happens when he recognizes that shape? The shape of his boy coming home. You know what happens, right? He runs to the edge of the camp and he says, you go away, you blew your shot, you don't get to come home. I'm sticking with your older brother. Don't you dare cross this line in the sand. We don't want you in our family anymore. Is that in your Bible? And it's not in my Bible. My Bible says, when he recognizes the shape of his son, that he runs to him. Did you know? I'll just Old Testament patriarchs didn't run anywhere. It was considered undignified. They walked. At the most, they strolled. They did not run. But the dad can't help himself. He sees his kid coming home and he runs to him. He kisses him. He restores him. He throws a party that one that was lost has now come home. That's your heavenly father. That's the God of the Trinity. That's the God that loves you today. Ernest Hemingway wrote a very famous short story. The problem with the short story is that it's become almost like an urban legend and pastors for years have been telling this story as if it were true when it was really just a short story. But you know what? It's a beautiful story. Ernest Hemingway wrote a story about a man named Paco who lived in Madrid, Spain, who one day just decided he thought he was smarter than his father and his family so he walked out on his family and he blew up his life. One day Paco's father, not knowing where his son was, took out a newspaper ad in a Madrid paper and he put this message in it. Paco, meet me at noon in front of the Hotel Montana. All is forgiven. I love you. It was simply signed, your father. The story goes on to say the next day, in front of the Hotel Montana in Madrid, Spain, 800 young men named Paco showed up hoping that the father who wrote that message was their dad. I don't have much worth talking about this morning except for this message to every person in this room. Your heavenly Father has asked me to give you a message. All is forgiven. I love you. And it's signed, your heavenly Father. That's the message of the Trinity. Trinity. It's the message of love that a father would send his son to save someone who has no use for him. And that he would go another step further and actually send a a counselor to help you understand how much God loves you. That's the message of the Trinity. And it's all rolled up in this little message, my friends, my brothers, my sisters. All is forgiven. I love you, your heavenly Father. Can be a little confusing to understand. My encouragement to you over the next three weeks is not to try and wrap your brain around this. Wrap your heart around it. That you have a heavenly Father that loves you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you that you are a God who's unexplainable, a mystery. But God, your love's not confusing. It's pretty plain, and we thank you for that. God, I pray for those this morning who because of their own life struggle with the thought of you as Father. I pray that they would see today that you are an initiating God who is present in their life who wants nothing more than to initiate salvation, restoration, and forgiveness to them. God, I pray for those who don't know God the Father in an intimate knowing way. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage right now to pray a prayer. God, help me. God, save me. God, forgive me. God, protect me. God, love me. Lord, I pray they would pray that simple prayer because I already know the answers. I can already hear God the Father saying, I do love you. I will protect you. I can forgive you. I will restore you. You are forgiven. God, I pray that many would give themselves to God the Father completely and wholly knowing that you in that moment are initiating love and relationship with them. God, I thank you that the Trinity is just a beautiful picture of what love is supposed to look like. So God, even more than wrapping our minds around it this week, would you help us to live it with our hearts? Of all people, God's people should be the most loving people because we serve God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one in three, and three in one. God, thank you for being a dad. Help us this week to walk as your children in relationship and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.